This is a Radio.com original. I heard that uh, you have worked on 30 of Shaquille O'Neal's cars. So more than that. I was going to say, <laughs> that was as of 2007 or something yeah. like that. How <laughs> like, many cars, how many have, have you worked with since? I mean, if he tells you, he'll tell you like, man, like uh, 80. <laughs> but, but I think probably, I mean, I wouldn't be shy to say 60 by now. Like it's wow. always something. And now his kids are growing up and his kids need cars. So it's like, you know, it just sticks, it stays in the family. Greetings and exclamations, my friends. We're back. That's because you can't keep us away. For the new edition of the Talking About Cars podcast, where everybody has a car story. And I'm Randy Cardoon, of course, bringing this podcast from humble beginnings five or so years ago from Irwindale Speedway to where we are today. My, uh, well, it certainly is an Irwindale Speedway, but let's palatial just say that. Studio. Palatial Studio. I like that. Palatial Studio. And of course, joined by the superstar status of Hot Rod Bob Beck. Yes, here I am. And he, of course, is a Irwindale guy. Yes. So it kind of the circle of life. That's it. That's what it's, it was. It's a circle of life thing. Just so don't that, spin out. Exactly. And that's a different kind of circle of life, I would imagine. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, on this show, you're going to like what we're going to talk about. If you've ever been involved in the automotive industry or you're a big uh, collector car person, you've had to buy parts, you've had to look at all sorts of other things. Well, we're looking at SEMA. Now, if you don't know what SEMA is, it is officially, and I, I always like to check the official title, it stands for Specialty Equipment Market Association, which I guess at one point was something different. Yeah, manufacturers. Yeah. Manufacturing originally, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now it's the, they've changed that, and now it's the Market Association because there's so much marketing that goes around with uh, parts and custom cars and all sorts of doodads you can put on your car and in your engine and all that. Uh, this is the time of year when Bob and I would pack up, rent somebody else's car and drive to <laughs> yes. Las Vegas. I don't want to put the miles on my car, do you? Oh, heck no. No, of course Besides, not. Besides, we, we got to see which car we were going to buy next exactly. by renting it. How many, you know, that's a story in itself. How many times yeah. have you had to like, like, for example, I drive a Dodge Challenger. Mm -hmm. But I never really was interested in one until I rented one. That's it. You ab abuse someone else's vehicle to learn what it's like before you go out and buy it. I mean, save it. Save the wear and tear on your own car. I agree. That, that, that's why we're host co-hosting this show. They're usually going to have this big bash. It takes over really now all of the Las Vegas Convention Center. And they have displays. They have demonstrations. They have custom cars, car celebrities. If you ever watched these shows on Velocity, which is now Motor Trend Network, if you've ever seen anything on Discovery, all those guys usually show up at this event. And the models. And the cars they are involved in and the models. Yes, the models. I mean, those models, I mean, you get a poster signed by those models, prove that you are there. Absolutely. And, you know. And, and then you have to find a place to hide it because if the wife sees it, oh boy. Oh yeah. Well, um, she gets her own copies. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great to have a wife who basically becomes friends with all of them, right? Yeah, okay. Said, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's the way that works. So because of the pandemic, there is no way to cram all those people in there no. safely. 
So they've canceled it for this year, but they're still going to have a SEMA, and it's called SEMA 360. See, 360. It's a virtual SEMA. There you go, Bob. Isn't that funny the way I just took my piece of paper and gave it to Bob? I know. You just handed it right across the studio. Right across the Electronically, just came it. all the way up here. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we're going to be uh, talking with some great guys. Tom Gattuso is a SEMA vice president. He's going to be joining us in mere moments. And special guest, Ryan Friedlinghaus. You know who that is. Okay. Yes. West Coast I Customs mean, he, guy. He, he built some amazing cars. He's got a huge facility in Burbank, California. Mm -hmm. And they put out some, as a matter of fact, the company my wife worked for, they built a car for them. So it's not just for consumers. Ah, well, it's the original, it Pimp My, the original Pimp My Ride. Oh, you might as well bring them on now. We can talk to them about all this stuff. All right. All right. So how do we transition this, Bob? All right. So here we are. We can't make the SEMA show, but we brought the SEMA show people to you. That's right. Let's just do a Kazam. And there they are. There you Magic. go. Tom, Ryan, I bet you can't, yeah, I bet you can tell which one's Ryan and which one's Tom. Uh-huh. Yeah, because- It says so right Tom. on the bottom of the screen. Oh, I'm right. Tom. That's, that's- <laughs> Yeah. You lost your fingers that time, Ryan. <laughs> I know. This is the- I move quickly. <laughs> battle of dueling backgrounds. Hey, appreciate you guys coming on the show. And of course, we're- Life is strange. We all know that. You know, we're watching the Dodgers. I don't have a Tampa Bay Rays hat yet. Uh, we watch the Dodgers get to the World Series here. And now uh, that's going to be in a bubble, so to speak. And we're going to be watching that on TV. And now, of course, SEMA's coming up. And Tom, tell us a little bit. Well, of course, let's go back a little bit and remind people from the humble beginnings of SEMA. You remember... 1967, and you remember, I'm sure, I hope I'm not setting you up. I'm sure you know, because you're the VP. Where was the first SEMA in 1967? It was held inside Dodger Stadium in 1967. We had about 100 exhibitors and 3,000 attendees. So. <laughs> and really, there weren't that many people that attended compared to today. No, it started with humble beginnings, if you will. The, the racing industry um, had an opportunity to, to find the, um, the inside of Dodger Stadium and, and literally where some of the concession stands are now um, to put 100 different companies in there. And there were about 3,000 industry buyers that, that came that first year. So um, the one thing they proved was that the industry wanted it and needed it. And, uh, and it, it just kind of went from there. Um, the next iteration went to Anaheim and then in 1977, it went to Las Vegas. And, and now it's an iconic event that happens every year in Las Vegas. And uh, except when COVID is around apparently, but yeah. um, has been really, really good. This would have been the 54th year for the show had it happened. Now you've outgrown kind of the Las Vegas Convention Center. They've had to add on tents and portable buildings and so forth to house SEMA because it has gotten so strong and it's become multinational. Yeah, it really has. And um, it's when we, we were thinking about who could help us today with this, uh, this conversation, Ryan came to mind because every time we've grown, 
and, and they're adding a, a facility across the street that's going to help us continue to grow. But every time we've gone into a new space, um, Ryan has had his hand up saying, I want to be there. I, I want to be part of that because um, I know that I can help you. So um, when we grew into the Westgate Hotel and Casino, Ryan was one of the first companies that was there. When we moved our new product showcase to a different area, Ryan was, was on the other side of that. When we put the big tent in the bronze lot, he was one of the first companies to, to commit to being there. So um, when we talk about expansion and we talk about recent success for the show, um, you know, we're right there with, with West's Customs and, and what Ryan's been doing with us too. Ryan, when was the first time you were at CMN? What do you remember, your, your impressions of just the whole spectacle the first time you went? I mean, I, I always look at SEMA as like, this is our Super Bowl for car shows, you know, for, for people in the industry with what we do, it's like, if you, if you're there, you're somebody, you know, and if you're not, then people are asking, where are you? And, um, I mean, I think it was, and I can't even remember what year it was, but I remember being so overwhelmed with like what I love, you know what I mean? With, with somebody that comes from where I came from, which is basically, you know, building this brand and building this business from absolutely nothing of coming there and being showcased and being around all these people that love this, you know, the, the brands that you love and cars. And it's just, it was a great experience. And I feel like that's always why I'm so humbly attached to it is because it's like, I want to help grow it for our industry. And I want to help you know, these, these brands be able to get exposure like everybody loves, you know, we need it to survive. So I think, you know, obviously our challenge now of like trying to find ways to get people intrigued to go online to be at SEMA is a totally different world. Now, it's very important that we've, since you started this organization, to see how companies like yourself, Ryan, have grown because of the exposure. Companies that may not have gotten the notice nationally or worldwide that they do with SEMA. Absolutely. I mean, I think SEMA puts you, if you don't have a television show and you don't have all these, these bells and whistles that, you know, we're fortunate to have right now, it's like, that's the place you go to be seen. You know, it's, it's just, no, there's, there's shows all over the world that are specialized in certain different categories. But when you think about SEMA, it's like everything from new products to craziest builds that are out there to, whatever else under the sun. And, and that's why, you know, when we go to SEMA, it's, it's literally, we look at it as our Super Bowl. No, absolutely. And I think it's just amazing when you first go, and I'm trying to remember when mine was, maybe about 10 years ago, my first one. And it's just going there and just getting overwhelmed. It's like the kid in the candy store thing for if you're a car person. And, a grant, and again, the public is not invited to this, but for the people that, uh, are in the business that are looking at things that it's just an amazing display of people. Uh, the people who will have car shows, uh, people that don't necessarily have car shows, the manufacturers, you see basically every manufacturer there. And depending on what building you go into, you can see like custom cars here. You could see big four, four wheel drive cars here. You could, you could see, uh, European cars just about everywhere. And so just the sheer immense size of it is just an amazing spectacle, I think. Tom, 
you also have a lot of uh, displays going on at one point, at least up until last year. You have demonstrations. I mean, it was it was quite the show. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and uh, it, it's it's at such a scale that it really breaks down into multiple shows all happening at the same time, um, and in different arenas and areas. So we've got everything from drifting to car builds to product demonstrations and, and everything in between. But what we identified and what we're talking about here is, is really it's evolved to more than a trade show. It's really this industry community mindshare that happens. And no matter where you are in the industry, this is an opportunity to come in and get a head check, sort of have an incubation of, of innovation happen. Um, but really it's the networking and all of that stuff that plays into it. So as we were preparing for the show this year, that was what we were keyed in on is where can this community mindshare happen? How can it happen? And what can we do from a COVID and safety perspective in order to, to make it happen? So we had a really good plan in place and we were, we were moving forward on a lot of respects, but then the, the Nevada itself had uh, an uptick, if you will, in their seven day moving average of hospitalizations and, and positive cases. So it precluded us from being able to have the event, which was unfortunate. But as much work as we put into this community mindshare, we said, well, where can it happen? How can it happen? And the industry came together and was like, yeah, we, we want something. Um, and that's really how the SEMA 360 got developed was to create a solution for that, that sharing of ideas and sharing of builds and new products and innovation. Um, finding a place for that to be able to happen here in 2020. Give us a little of an idea what SEMA 360 is and how can you do this virtually? How are you going to be able to take the best, I guess what you're looking for is the best parts of the show and trying to turn it into uh, of another visual spectacle really that uh, manufacturers and personalities and everybody else um, can use to replace really what's going on at SEMA. Yeah, because when you look at the nuts and bolts of the SEMA show, it, it really comes down to innovation. That, that's the, the top thing that all of our attendee buyers are looking for. And to a certain extent, that's what keeps manufacturing companies moving along, is they're always creating new products. So we wanted to create something that had the ability for companies to be able to showcase what's new, new products, new trends, new ideas. And we built it around those pillars. So there's a new product section that um, has got 2,200 different individual products in it this year. Uh, we're going to have 330 individual car builds over and above what the manufacturers are going to be doing within their own areas. We've got 650 or so manufacturing companies that are going to have an area where they can show what they're doing that's new, um, staff it with some people to be able to answer questions, um, and really do some of the conversations that happen at the show. So it's not us necessarily trying to recapture the SEMA show and make it digital. It's more these pillars of innovation and conversations and networking that can happen. Uh, and we feel like we found a platform that can do that. And we've got really great support um, from everyone to be able to do that. And, and what we're doing with, uh, with West Coast Customs really um, encompasses that as well, where I think when the idea came out, um, you start to get the, the ideas moving within their, their organization. And by the time we caught up with each other, um, 
they kind of had a tiger by the tail. They had some really mm -hmm. good ideas happening that, uh, that we're excited to hear about. Is, you know, you're going to be doing it from November 2nd through November 6th. Is that going to be enough time? I mean, that's, that's, uh, you've got a lot of manufacturers and a lot of participants. Is that going to be enough time to showcase the ones that want to get in on it? Yeah, it will, because when you look at it in terms of a five-day week, um, it does give people a lot of time. We're going to essentially be open 24 hours a day for five days. Uh, and what we're finding is our industry buyers are, are niche-oriented. So you've got some people that are just racing. You have some that are just restyling, some that are just truck. Uh, so really, they're able to find their niche. And this whole platform is designed to be able to filter around that. So there's a recommendation engine where you tell them the things that you're interested in and it can cater an agenda to that based on our education programming, people that you may want to meet and manufacturing companies that are in. So we've really made it streamlined so that as people get into the environment, they'll be able to see the things that interest them. And then from there, they can go out and wander on their own and, and really start to spot uh, what's happening in the industry. Ryan, what is it going to look like, really, and when the, the whole th SEMA 360, and, and really, how do you envision how this is going to work? So I guess I should go backwards just a little bit, because as Tom was speaking about where they used to put me all the time, the building <laughs> area, I would always have that battle of like, why am I back here? Why am I so hidden? Why do I have to, where are you going to put me next year? On the roof? Are we going to build the roof out next year? So it's like always these challenges I'm put up to, to build these spaces out to, to bring the hype, you know? And I feel like every year we, we have to reinvent ourselves or think about, you know, ways to really drive traffic to our booth, which will drive traffic to that area. And I think we were really successful with the West Coast Customs Experience because we were teaching SEMA members side by side with my guys building these cars live at the show. So these cars would start stock and at the end of the show, they would be completed. And it was by people that are in your industries. A lot of, when you think about people in your industry, everybody feels like they're a competition or there's a negative review at the end of it. It's like, these guys all came through, guys and girls all came through and loved our classes. So I, I looked at that as like, okay, this is a formula that works. Now, how can we do this digitally this year? So our number one thing we're going to do is we're going to do the first ever 24 hour long build where we'll work for the full day and full night on a build and have it completed at the end of the 24 hours which wow. will be really really cool and then from there we're going to do breakout sessions of interviews with some of my clients about the craziest tire experiences or their car experiences or whatever it is just to kind of bring some entertainment to it so it doesn't feel like so it feels like they're coming to the West Coast Customs booth because that's what we did every year is like we would have entertainment from DJs to artists performing to us building cars to, you know, just different activities always going on. So I'm going to create those internally in my shop. So we're basically shutting our shop down for those five days and we're going to focus on doing these experiences live for this SEMA platform. So do I understand correctly that, so this is all going to be online, will it be on the SEMA platform? Will it be on your website? How would that all, how, how would people access that or at least people in the business access that? Yeah, well, it'll be on the SEMA 360, our West Coast page on, on that platform. And then we're going to take all the footage that we create during those five days and then we're going to turn it into some YouTube stuff too down the road. 
Mm. So we're gonna we're gonna try to you know use it for the best for, for everybody really and the friends that we work with and just create like that excitement that I feel is needed for our industry right now because everybody was looking forward to going to SEMA and now we're kind of like okay we have to look at it on the screen it's just different you know yeah. so we're just trying to make that different fun at least. Well, it's going to be similar to what we see with some of the TV auctions in that people that can't attend can attend virtually by watching what's going on at SEMA. Exactly. So that's yeah. why we want to do live stuff, nothing pre-recorded, really just, you know, things that are happening as they're happening and then breakaways from that. So I think it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, interesting for us to figure it all out as we're doing it. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to make some great content and great excitement for the 360 platform. Tom, if I understand Ryan correctly and it, and it, seems that it's very plausible and i'm sure he's not the only one planning on doing something like that the fact that he's going to have this stuff on your site over the days of sema 360 and then later have it on youtube whatever their youtube channels are and the way they distribute it out there in social media this is like one of those semas that kind of will go for several days but if you know you'll be able to check into it for like weeks afterwards It'll have a life of its own. Yeah, and that's that's really the 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 goal for any year that we do it. When we do our in-person event as well, um, but we'll take the new products from the new product showcase and we'll market those and promote those uh, for months after the event. The same thing with the vehicles. The same thing with the companies that are there and some of the announcements they make. So the their only difference really is how the conversation starts. Uh, uh, you're not going to be able to do it in person, but you'll be able to do it somehow. And, and we're talking right now on a video channel, there's capability within the platform to be able to have a conversation like this on video. Um, so you do get a little bit of the best of both worlds, but we are a content manufacturer for, for all intents and purposes. And the things we do when we partner with companies like West Coast Customs, or when we do our SEMA Cruise or SEMA Ignited, those create content that really help our industry. And we, we straddle a very fine line between our B2B side and our business to consumer side. And the enthusiasts and the consumers are a huge part of our industry. And we need to figure out a way and the timing to get that message to them. So that's really what it's all about is, is taking it in steps. And the week that we're gonna be the second through the sixth is really a B2B focus. But from there, it goes out into the world through our media channels, through our media partners, and, um, and really starts to get to the hardcore enthusiasts. And that's what makes the whole thing work. Of the SEMA members, how many of them are positively looking forward to this or, or, or getting involved that are already? So it's a good portion of them. You know, we really haven't sat down and there's 7,000 members of SEMA. And I think we've got 650 companies participating right now. Um, but when you break it down to some of the buying companies, there's going to be a lot of those that will participate. But, you know, really from an industry standpoint, it's the thing that's happening right now in what we call SEMA Week. And SEMA Week, again, is this, this just great community exchange of ideas and innovation. Are you still doing Battle of the Builders? And, and are you going to have, like, for example, the end of SEMA? Usually they have the... Uh, the car show where everybody leaves the arena. And uh, of course, in Las Vegas, people would just line the streets to see these classics come out. Obviously, since you're not doing it there physically, uh, is there a plan to put together something like that for the end of the show? 
there's definitely going to be a battle of the builders. And we've got uh, a bunch of builders that are um, in that program. And that's going to go through its stages. There's going to be a final 40 and a final 12. And we'll make that announcement the Friday of the show. Um, as far as the parade of vehicles, our SEMA cruise that happens, uh, we were really trying hard to figure out some way to do something like that. And, uh, and that one is near and dear to my heart because I came in to SEMA in 2011, which was the first year for the cruise. And that was the first year that I met Ryan and he was on the, the other side of our new product <laughs> showcase. Um, so we did a lot of stuff that year. We started a cruise, we you know, elevated new products to a, a place we never had before. Um, and those things all help, but we, there's a certain thing about a car cruise um, needs to be done with the cars. And um, Nevada right now has got a limit on the number of people that can gather. And I think it's depending on what you're doing, it's either 250 or upwards of a thousand. So um, we'll, we'll regularly get 20 or 25,000 people to that cruise. And in order to be able to do it in a safe manner, um, we're going to just do everything here online with our Battle of the Builders finale. Now, the filming for this, is that going to be in Vegas? Um, no, there's going to be a studio that we set up uh, more than likely in Los Angeles that will be the final okay. 12 where the builders all get together. Mm -hmm. And then the individual uh, manufacturers, uh, will that be at a prescribed location or at their location? No, so for the individual manufacturers that have got these showcase pages, um, they're doing all that uploading right now. So okay. um, they're going to do that all within the platform and you'll be able to see what they're up to. Really, when you visit their page, you can see video links or websites or documents that they've got. You have an opportunity to uh, meet with some of their booth personnel. You can also have roundtable discussions, which really is a private meeting or a public meeting uh, where they can talk to people. And then you get to see um, product information that they want to have uh, put out. So you get a good array of what they're working on and, uh, and what you can learn about the company. So this is going to be kind of an, lack of a better term, an entertainment show and an education show. Uh, are you gonna have hosts that kind of segue from one thing to another or is it gonna be just basically switching from one location to another based on whatever schedule that particular day? I think he's applying for a job. <laughs> we do for, us, Bob, for us, Bob. For us. For us. For us. For us. Yeah. Yes. Right. Go ahead. And we, we are going to have some some hosts of the site, and we're going to have a lot of different education speakers and that kind of thing, some keynote speakers and, and that type of thing. But there's not really an MC that leads you from one thing to another. Um, you're up to that on your own, where you can set your agenda, see who you want to see, and uh, and really find the things that are going to help your business propel itself into 2021. Yeah. Matt, was that close, Bob, until you I said know, something? Tried. I know, So close. When we come back, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to talk more about SEMA 360, of course, with Tom and with Ryan. We're going to uh, get a little bit of our car stories as well right here on the Talking About Cars podcast on Radio.com and KNX1070.com. And, of course, stay with us. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Gattuso, Vice President of SEMA, joining us. Ryan Frillinghouse from West Coast Customs. And of course, us, Hot Rod Bob Beck over there. I'm Randy Cardoon. Thanks for joining us again on the Talking About Cars podcast. I got to ask you guys, since you obviously are car people, especially you, Ryan, what was your first car? A 1987 Mazda B2000 long bed. 
Wow. Ah, a truck. That I'm trying to find. You're trying I'm to trying find. To find <laughs> I'm trying to find it. My original first car that I customized myself in my garage at home. Almost got my family kicked out of our neighborhood in actually Vegas, which is funny enough. Oh. Um, I learned how to drive it as a stick shift on Vegas Boulevard. So, you know, I got some crazy memories from, from those days. Wow. How difficult is it to find? Because, I mean, we've all seen the commercials, that Chevy commercial from years ago where the kids found the car, brought it back to dad who hasn't seen it in eons. And there was a big story about how it was in Canada for a while. How hard is it to find your car? Not just a B2000, but your car. It's hard. It's, it's a lot harder than I thought. I thought I'd be able to put, since social media runs everybody's lives these days, is like I could put a post out and find it. And everybody kept sending me just stock Mazda B2000s. And I'm like, no, my original one. Here's what it looked like. But he's seen it. And it's like, yeah, you can't. And it's, you know, I'm in California. So trying to find a car in Nevada isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. But we're still on a mission. So All stay right. tuned. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck for that. Yeah. Uh, keep yeah. us updated on that. Tom, what about you? What was your first car? So I was a Volkswagen guy. Uh, my first car was a 73 Super Beetle, which just meant it was that much longer than the regular Beetle. Um, but not soon after, I found myself into a, a 1983 Rabbit GTI, which was uh, kind of a, a trend-setting, segment-setting <laughs> car. So mm -hmm. I figured out the difference between air-cooled and water-cooled pretty quick and, uh, and really, <laughs> really went that direction. Yeah, and you got a hot hatchback. They were a lot better car. Yeah, yeah. no, that was a that was a really fun car, and uh, and I used to tell people that my car didn't have a lot of power, but I needed to learn how to drive it in order to stay in the power band. So, um, when you talk about being able to blip shift on downshifts and and keep the RPMs up, um, that car was great for that, and it performed it performed great. I, I love that car. That's another one. Like Ryan, if I could find a an '83 Rabbit GTI. Um, That'd be a great car to have in the garage. Yeah, the people who always get their high school car or something like that, there's always something about those people. You can tell how much of a car person they are if they're still trying to get, if not the car, a reasonable facsimile car. So, you know, that's, uh, Bob and I have talked about this many times on the show. I, I have a uh, 64 Dodge Polaro, which is similar to a car I had back in high school. And Bob, your high school car was... Which one? I had. I know. Eight. I wasn't I, yeah. sure which one to ask about. <laughs> and that was only the ones that I registered. Uh, now the, one, the one that I'd like to get back that I had in high school was my 1956 Anglia station wagon. Ah. You know, put the surfboards That's on the wagon. roof. Actually, the surfboards were longer than the car, but uh, it, it was a fun car. And you got to remember, we're so much older than you guys. So oh. our cars are we're older. Well, and the funny thing is, in high school, how much custom experience do you have? There are some of us, for example, like Ryan, that probably has that mechanical thing going where he can work on stuff and turn it into this really cool car, while some of us basically decided, I'll just paint my, I'll paint my engine. And I painted it red, white, and blue, blue. with stripes. Oh, boy. Nothing like a Dodge 318 with stripes. But I'll, that was back in the day when you, would, you were always pulled over because of smog checks, remember that in the 70s? Yep. They'd always pull you over for smog checks. My mother was once driving my car for some reason and they pulled her over and normally that car would never pass smog, but they lifted the hood, saw the red, white, and blue and laughed so hard they let her go. 
<laughs> All right. I at the time you got to remember I'm, I'm a kid of the '60s. J.C. Whitney sold header kits. Ah. I built my headers in in the welding shop in the auto in the in the metal shop. Then I took auto shop in the afternoon and we installed them. Nice. Didn't didn't get as far as the muffler though. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Yeah, it was fine. You know, I drove through the school quad and I woke everybody up for sure. Uh, but we did that. Uh, I did a lot of stuff like that in high school because I, I was a shop major. So we did the work in the auto shop, but we may have built it in the metal shop. And that's, nice. that's beautiful. That's the thing about cars and, and, and kids in cars and guys in cars and gals in cars that really are into vehicles. And that, that's the kind of stuff we would do under the circumstances. And, and you just never know what kind of vehicles you're going to come up with. So that's always a lot of fun. All right. So we always ask this question. Guys, uh, and we'll start off with you, Tom. Top two or three cars that are on your I want to get that one day list. So I would say, uh, oof, I want to get that one day. I would, you know, in a fantasy world, a GT2 Porsche would be, you know, GT2, GT3, something like that, um, would be great. Um, that's a great question. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you a second to think about it when we go to Ryan. Ryan, what about you? I know you've got that list. I know you have. I mean, yeah, it's it's tough because it changes a lot. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Um, and you um, probably have more than two. 1950 Mercury, because it's my favorite car, and I've been building one for myself forever. But it seems like whenever you build yourself something in a shop like this, it never gets worked on. So I would love to have that completed and done. Um, and when it comes to like that way out car, if I had the money in the world, I, I think I'd buy a Koenigsegg because mm, I just love uh, that as a supercar. It's just, just, the, just the design and the style and everything about it, I think fits what I love, you know? And, and man, what else? What else would there be? If you got a Koenigsegg, would you have this impulse to customize it? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Just because, because everybody would be mad at me, and that's why. I'm, like, it's like, why would you touch that car? Because I want to make it mine. That's yeah, what customization is uh, all about, right? That, I mean, that's, you want to make it yours. That's what mm -hmm. SEMA and the hobby is all about. And you yeah. get the guys at the the, re the restoration guys, and it's like, oh my God, you modified it. And my answer is, it takes a hot rodder to make it, cut up a car and make it cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you changed it. Well, what's your point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Completely. All right, Tom, I gave you a second chance for that number two <laughs> car. What do you think? So, I, you know, I would, I go with with the, the older cars into the Chevy land. So having a, a 55, 56 uh, Chevy would, would be good. You know, I, I feel like you can make that um, with the modern parts and equipment you could put on that car. Now you can make that a reliable daily driver that you could have a lot of fun with. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I drove across country in a 1966 Impala convertible. Um, I sold everything I owned. I was living on the West coast. If it wouldn't fit in the trunk of that car, it didn't go. And I moved <laughs> to California and, um, I've looked at a lot of those and, and, you know, an old Impala would be fun, but I, I think I'd go even further back to 55 or 56. Mm. Good I think choice. you should get that BMW. I think you should get that BMW too. 
thumb. <laughs> just for that sentimental value, you know? You just have it in there. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to have a, a, an old Rabbit GTI. And mine was weird where it was it was black, but it had an all red interior. So it didn't yeah. have the, the annoying blue stripes. It was all red for some weird nice. reason. Um, now that's yeah. a car, if you could try and find it. I mean, that would be d difficult just because of the number of Volkswagens out there. But, you know, it's too bad. It's too bad unless you have a old registration from it or something like that. You then maybe, the numbers, yeah. maybe the California Department of Motor Vehicles might help. Maybe. 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 Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> you know, I'm curious, is Nevada like that too? I mean, trying to, I assume you touched base with the Nevada DMV and I, and I know there are rules and privacy and, uh, in fact, a quick story, I was, I bought a um, 57 Pontiac two-door wagon, uh, right. basically the Nomad version. And uh, I was curious who owned it. And the car originally came from Nevada, uh, although it was built in Kansas City. And I was wondering as far as trying to track it back because Pontiac and their uh, network of knowing where all these cars are from, uh, only goes back to 1961. So I was wondering if you touch base with Nevada, uh, whether or not you can say, okay, I want to send a letter to someone about this car. And I did that. And I sent a letter to the DMV. And I said, you can't, you don't need to tell me, obviously, you're not going to tell me, but if there's a way to send it to whatever address you last have on it, and send it to those people. And if they decide to write me back via snail mail, perfect. If not, okay, I gave it a shot. And they actually wrote me back. So I nice. got a lot of uh, past history discovered through that little opportunity and that little bit of mail. It's, I found my old registration and I did a search on it. And I guess it hasn't been registered for such a long time that mm -hmm. they don't even have any records of it. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, you should check the junkyards. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, if it made it to a junkyard, I don't think there'd be anything left of it to, yeah. uh, to find at this point. No, nah, it's too bad. It's definitely in somebody's yard somewhere, and I don't know. You never know. Somebody might. I got Maybe I should try Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> can't wait. I gotta. Hey. I gotta remember the person I sold it to before I left Vegas. That's, and then start there. I don't know. Look for them in it's Facebook. Gonna, I bet you you'll find. Yeah, it. it's gonna be a hunt, but I'm gonna find it. So let's uh, talk a little bit about back to SEMA 360. And for those, um, Tom, who want to get involved in it, I'm sure a lot of people already are. How do they do it? Do they contact SEMA? How do they go ahead and uh, get themselves hooked up for that kind of uh, the opportunity to check that out? Pretty much. If, if, if It's open only for the, the trade. So you've got to work in the automotive industry. But you can go to SEMA360.com and learn how to register or uh, participate that way. Right now, we've closed off the, the manufacturers because we're just a couple weeks away. It's actually two weeks from today that we're going to open. So they're all getting everything ready. But um, if you're looking to attend, by all means, SEMA360.com is where you can learn what the, the credentials would be and, and apply right there. Great. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Ryan, are you still doing the TV shows? I mean, are you, do you still have a show or is it? Um, right now we're on pause due okay. to all the greatness in our world right now. But um, we're still shooting content every day because we're still building stuff and 
we got, you know, crazy things going on daily here. So I've been just capturing it with my own team and then seeing where, how or what we're going to do since everything seems to be going digital anyway, that's probably going to be our next move is just figure out a platform and just launch our own original content. I heard that uh, you have worked on 30 of Shaquille O'Neal's cars. So more than that. I was going to say that was as of 2007 or something like yeah. that. How <laughs> like, many car, How many have, have you worked with since? I mean, if he tells you, he'll tell you like, man, like uh, 80. <laughs> but, but I think probably, I mean, I wouldn't be shy to say 60 by now. Like it's wow. always something. And now his kids are growing up and his kids need cars. So it's like, you know, just sticks, it stays in the family. It's definitely been a long friendship and journey together. And he's really allowed me to become who we are today of like being able to push me to the limit of doing things that never, you know, were supposed to be done. And he nope. was the one that pushed me to do it. On another side of it, you don't just do customer vehicles. A number of years ago, you did work for Mitsubishi. Yeah. A, a bunch of different, I mean, a bunch of brands come to us because so what we found, you know, back when the, the, the stuff crashed back in the day and nobody was paying to customize their cars, it was like, where do we go next? And it was brands, you know, brands need help. They have marketing dollars still. And it was like creating vehicles that were cool for brands that they could take out into the marketplace and use them as activation. So that really got us recreating who we were. And now we're kind of now back to recreating who we were again <laughs> with this world, whatever's going on right now. How has the uh, pandemic really affected you, Ryan? I mean, uh, especially with the business, because at one point I think you had, and you may still have um, versions of West Coast Customs in other countries. Has that yeah. been affected by uh, the pandemic? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think overall business has is, is been affected a lot. You know, we've just tried to find ways to be creative and come up with different, you know, things to pitch to brands and, and customers and, you know, some customers that have money are always going to have money. So those builds are there, but our people that would come in off the streets and, you know, just the foot traffic and you know, we did 350 tours a month here and now we're down to probably doing like, you know, half that if, if mm. that. So, so it's, it's affected a bunch of different ways, but I think it's also allowed us to catch up on some old work that we needed to get caught up on and, you know, coming up with new content and new ways to just be creative. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting to see how this has all worked out. And I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how uh, this all works out, the SEMA 360. I know, obviously, I can't wait till next year when we're back. Yeah. And hopefully, yeah, <laughs> fingers crossed, man. Because I, I, it's uh, it's been such a spectacle over the years. And I think it'll be uh, very interesting and informative to see how SEMA 360 works on that. Uh, Tom, good luck with that. Uh, let us know how that all works out. We'll be keeping an eye on what's happening. Wait Actually, minute, we'll, you, we're going to register as media. I was going to say, I can still register as media, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. did, he said yes, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, okay, we're just, just checking. Yes. Just checking. <laughs> we will now. Got it all here on audio. All right, so we'll be doing that and, and to check it out. Tom, is there anything else we've forgotten, by the way, before we... Call it a show. No, I think like all of us, we're, we're looking forward to what the future brings. And, and 2020 has been a really new, unique year. And we're excited about uh, being able to have the industry gather. 
Um, what we're going to learn this year from our digital platform is going to help us moving forward where it's likely to be part of our show for years and years to come. So when we talk about our scenario planning and what the future looks like, um, it, it definitely involves a digital platform along with it. But at the same time, to Bob's point, they're building a brand new convention center right across the street. <laughs> and we can't wait to fill we it. can't wait to do some donuts, donuts over there. Oh, man, you're, you're, you're going to fill. I'm just amazed. I went to the first one in Vegas, uh, and I was just amazed how big it was at that point. I'd never gone to the Anaheim one. Mm -hmm. And so Vegas was the first one for me. And I, it took me four days and I still didn't see everything. Now, when we go back on a, Randy and I go back on an annual basis, it's a matter of, okay, we've got to see these guys. Are we going to get to see the rest of it? Because you never get past a certain aisle. You, yeah. you run into people, you run into new products, you run into uh, new items and the car builds. Just yeah. the cars on display is greater than any car show we've ever been to. You know, it's interesting because I look at the show and, and probably uh, when Ryan's looking at a car build, you know, he looks at it um, relatively controlled and small. I see the SEMA show as, as four or five different things. Mm -hmm. there's, there's each hall and then there's the outside. So in my mind, it's not big. Uh, but we stopped and calculated how many miles of aisle carpet, just aisle carpet that we put down. And it was more than 21 miles Wow. Wow. Just inside. Wow, indeed. Jeez. <laughs> so that sounds like a new pair of sneakers. Yeah. That's why your feet are tired. <laughs> I wonder if I'm so tired after that show. <laughs> yeah, get yeah. new new tube socks. I see I sense that's coming. I'm gonna order now. My mm -hmm. Fitbit says you ain't doing this anymore. <laughs> no, I've, I've done thirty six, thirty eight thousand steps a day and on the Fitbit at the SEMA show. So so there's there's a lot to it, but but we try to make it so that you can see the part you're most applicable towards. And, uh, and that's really what's exciting about what's across the street is we may be able to have um, showcase some really cool things that we haven't been able to give a lot of light to. And, uh, and that would be great. Very good. Guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Hey, by the way, for those of you watching and listening, remember to listen, like, and subscribe to our audio podcast on radio.com, knx1070.com, Alexa. Yes, you could listen on Alexa. Watch our video podcast on our Two Tired Guys Productions channel on YouTube. Follow us on social media if you want to support us and get your name on our credits. That's always a lot of fun. Please, you could do that for your mom. It'd be great. Put her name on our credits. No one would know. Uh, oh, actually, everybody would know. Uh, go ahead and uh, get your name by uh, becoming a Two Tired Guys patron on Patreon.com. Until we meet again, I'm Randy Cardoon, along with Hot Rod Bob. That's Tom. That's Ryan. We're all having fun talking about cars. See you next time, everybody. Enjoy SEMA 360.